Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Can we clean this place up a little bit? I mean, there's all these empty whiskey bottles and a Sam Nunberg's underwear. Who told him he could stay here? Ass. The following podcast contains... Hey, so dirty. It's no wonder no one listens to your show, David. It's awful. It's awful. So much cursing and the Schwanz jokes. No one wants to hear that. Shaggy Green never needed to work blue. Neither do you. People will like you for you. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought you could get away with doing a fair and equitable show about guns? What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, March 9th, 2018, to all the guns I've loved before edition of the show, where we leave behind the rhetoric and talk about the reality of guns in America. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Friedrich's Finest Flintlock Fixers, your friendly neighborhood gunsmith. Is your brown best showing her age? Smooth bore not so smooth anymore? Your Kentucky long rifle coming up short? Come then, neighbor, to Friedrich's Finest Flintlock Fixers for a full refurb and refinish. Our neighborhood gunsmiths can fix anything from a broken stop, limp priming pan, or even a warp barrel. Friedrich's understands that your firearm is more than just a jaunty mantelpiece, but a part of your day in life. You can't be taking the coach to Philadelphia when it needs repairs. So come ye to Friedrich's Finest Flintlock Fixers, keeping you well-armed since 1695. Act now and get a free powder horn with your order over 20 pounds. That there is a Tech 9, a little cheap-ass spray gun made out of South Miami. They retail for $380, I get them for $2, sell them for $8. They advertise this Tech 9 as the most popular gun in American crime. Can you believe that shit? It actually says that in the little booklet that comes with it. The most popular gun in American crime, like they proud of that shit. Oh, now check out this gun here. Now this here is a Steyr Aug. Steyr Aug's a bad motherfucker. Listen. It's, it's expensive too, man. Made in Austria. Now, my customers don't know shit about it, so there ain't no demand for it. But let me tell you though, man, you put this bad boy in a flick, every motherfucker out there want one. I'm serious as a heart attack. When them Hong Kong flicks came out, every nigga in the world had to have a 45, and they ain't want one. They want two, because all them niggas want to be the killer. But what them flicks don't tell you and what they don't know is that a 45 got a serious fucking jamming problem. Now, I try to steal my customers taught a 9mm because it's damn near the same weapon. It ain't got half the jamming problems. But you know how them niggas is out there. You can't tell them shit. They want a 45. The killer had a 45. They want a 45. Uh, 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 here we go. AK-47, the very best there is. When you absolutely, positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. Right here at the beginning of the show... Anyone and everyone who's going to get triggered by me talking about guns. I'm not into puns. Fine. Let me rephrase. Anyone who thinks that I'm about to go half-cocked about guns can just get the fuck out right now. What pun? Shut up. He thinks he's witty. Yeah. 
Y'all got to just deal with it because this is going to be a fair and equitable gun, sh- gun show, all right? That doesn't work for you. You can just go because I'm not here to make yet another argument for gun control. I'm going to leave that to the high school kids because they're, they're better at it than I am. No, what we're going to do tonight is talk about the reality of guns in America, the bad, and yes, the good. There are some people out there for whom a gun is more than just a demonstration of penile turgidity. Why do I think I'm the person to have this little whiskey side chat with you? Is it because I am a gun guy? Oh, <laughs> hell no! I mean, I live in New York City. Do you know the kind of hoops I gotta jump through to get a gun in this city? I mean, first, I gotta go through all the hoops to get in a license for a long gun. I mean, I go down, go down to one police plaza with a whole stack of shit to prove. I don't reckon I got no reason to kill nobody. I gotta get my ass fingerprinted and then fork out 230 bucks for the license and those fingerprints, and then after six months, I might get a license. If I want a pistol and I'm not a cop or a lawyer, or I swear to God, for some reason, a celebrity, I probably ain't gonna get a pistol license. But say I'm lucky and I can come up with a real convincing reason why I need a pistol, like I'm a diamond dealer on 47th Street, and then I pay way more money and jump through even more hoops, about six months after that, I could get a license to keep a gun in my house or place of business. But getting a concealed carry license outside of being a cop? Forget about it. I mean, maybe Oprah can get a CCW in this city, but beyond her, like I said, forget about it. And you know what? That shit works, because crime in this city is fucking low as hell. Shootings are down, murders are down. I mean, forget about it. New York City is a really uncomfortable thorn in the side for a lot of people because we're proof that strict gun laws, you know, work. But this ain't a show about that. Now, because... I don't have a gun today does mean I'm not a gun guy either. I had a pellet gun by the time I was eight years old, and with it I learned that I didn't have the heart to kill things, but I had to hide that from everyone. And then I received my first real gun when I was 12 years old, a nice little 410 single-shot shotgun. It's like a redneck starter set. I followed that up about a year later with a nice little Marlin 22 semi-auto, a real plinking rifle, the kind of gun every kid has in the country that they take out under strict adult supervision and shoot up old cars whose only sin was rusting in close proximity to our grandparents' house. It'll rust in the driveway before I trade it in. Honestly, my childhood guns were not so much guns as they were proof of my southern heritage. They were like a social ID card to go with a confederate flag that hung on my bedroom wall. Yeah, you can skip that. God, I wish I could skip it, but we all have to live with our sins, all right? After I hit my teens, my guns lived in the closet and there wasn't even a bullet or a shotgun shell in the house. Because my parents understood something incredibly simple about guns, without any bullets, they're just a stick. So while I may have owned guns, my parents control the bullet supply. Now, Natch, I was around guns when I was in the Air Force. I mean, those dumb shits made me a cop for some reason. And for the first three years of my career, I carried my hands down favorite gun of all my guns I've ever owned or carried. Smith & Wesson Model 10 Police Special with big-ass Packmire grips and double-speed loaders right there on my belt. I loved that fucking gun. It's a goddamn green to shoot. It's a fucking Polaroid. You just point in the general direction of the target and squeeze a little and bullseye. And it was a classic cop gun. I know, I know, you saw it on a TV show. Look, that was was such a bad idea to make an 18-year-old a cop. Particularly a bad idea to make an 18-year-old me a cop. Because I watched a lot of television shows, and I pretty much thought that everything that went on in the world was Hill Street fucking blues.
Later, when we went to the Beretta 9mm, it was cool and stuff. I mean, like John McClane and Martin Riggs, cool. It all looked cool. But if I had my druthers, I would have stayed with the Smith & Wesson. Of course, there was the trusty M16, though I carried a chop-down version we call the GAU-5A, which is basically what people now call an M4, but they made it in a garage by cutting off the barrel and warping the shit out of it so I couldn't hit the damn side of a barn with that thing. Or that's what I told people, because really it's because I refused to go to the eye doctor to get glasses and I couldn't see to shoot for shit. I enjoyed the Remington 870 shotgun, another classic cop gun. I mean, the sound that it made, that broke up more fights than my, me and my dog ever did. Personally, as my, own, as my own weapon, I own a small selection of pistol over the years. Had a Colt 1911-45 that I got a CCW for and carried under the seat of my car for a couple of years. I don't know why I did that. I uh, had a Beretta 92F, like my duty weapon, and later on a Ruger 40 caliber. That was just a nice little gun, but those guns were a little more than wall hangers, kind of like my childhood guns. I, I rarely fired them, for, frequently forgot I owned them. The only time I really thought about owning them was when we had a party at the house and we had to go around and collect all of the guns in the house and put them away in a locked box so some drunk idiot wouldn't start fucking playing with them. And the drunk idiots were probably us. But then when I moved into Washington, D.C. in 2003, I sold off the last of my pistols to my friends who were still cops because the gun laws at the time in Washington, D.C. were way stricter than even those in NYC now. But that would change. So, you know, I know what the fuck I'm talking about when I talk about guns. I really... I can't tell you why I owned guns for the first 30 years of my adult life. It's just something I did. I carried a gun at work, so I had a gun at home. It was what I thought cops did. I never felt like I needed a gun. Who the fuck was going to come after some Air Force cop? It's not like I was taking on the mob. On the scale of law enforcement, I was barely above a mall cop major crime-wise. Now give the fake cop a hug. Later on, when I basically was a mall cop working at universities... I didn't carry a gun. I didn't feel like I needed one because I fucking worked in downtown Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. is fucking cop central. There was always a cop within two minutes of wherever I was. Sure, that might not keep me from getting shot, but here's a secret that a lot of people don't know. Having a gun on your person has never kept a single person in the entire history of firearms from getting shot. And that's a final truth. In fact, I'll tell you another secret. You know the only way to keep from being shot is to stay the fuck away from guns. You want to know how I know this? Well, Japan. 157 million people. 10 gun deaths in 2016. You know why they only had 10 gun deaths in 2016? There are no guns there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, people still die in Japan. Everybody dies in Japan. But they don't die from guns. They die from sword fights, shurikens, ninja attacks, giant monsters stomping on them. Godzilla is mostly Tokyo-based, so he's probably a no-show. And suicides. Like 100 people a day commit suicide in Japan. But you know what? They don't use guns. And the theories are pretty strong that if there were more if there were guns in Japan, it'd be way higher than 100 people a day. And look, I'm not trying to make some great stand here. I'm not trying to point out that maybe if you've got guns around, you're infinitely more likely to die from a gun if you there were no guns. All I'm saying that the only way to be sure not to get shot is to stay the fuck away from guns. I'm just saying it's all. And I get it, I do. 
We can't blame guns for what people do with guns, right? Because guns are just inanimate hunks of steel and plastic. They don't possess an animus towards humans. It's not like they're sitting around in the underwear drawers where they live or on the closet shelves where they lurk at night plotting against their human owners. The revolution has begun. That's not how it works. Now, for a gun to do anything, some dipshit has to take the gun, put bullets in the gun, and head out to make someone's life fucking miserable, right? I mean, when I stubbed my toe on a bookshelf getting up to take a piss at 4 a.m., the bookshelf didn't creep out to injure me. I'm the actor in this tragedy, and when people are injured with a gun, it was the dingus holding the thing, not the thing that was the will behind it. Good, now you're finally talking some sense. But... But... No but, no but. Have you heard this show? Of course there's a but. You see so many people who love to remind us how guns are inanimate objects sure of the hell imbue them with a sort of mystical property like the aforementioned having a gun keeps you being shot by someone else with a gun that they have developed a fucking mythology around these things that defies all logic. In America, guns are like the shin bone of a saint inside the altar of a medieval medieval cathedral. Please, please. It's not a holy relic. Have you seen some of these guys' fucking gun collection? I mean, a really ardent collector? That motherfucker is praying that his arsenal's altar every goddamn day, and in his mind, the blessed AR of St. Cuthbert is the only thing keeping the demons from his tiny mind at bay. Sorry, pod friends. This mythology of guns in this country is one of the reasons why people keep using guns the wrong way. Nope, let me check that. They're using them the right way on the wrong people, to be more precise, since most of the guns that are causing the problems are designed only to kill people. But I'll get there soon enough. So let us together, you and I, sit and speak of logic and debunk some of this gun mythology so that we might better come to understand ourselves and our relationship with our guns. Open your prayer books to the book of Colonial, chapter 17, verse 76. Let us pray. If you were like I, a kid of a certain age, there are two instant visuals that pop to your mind when thinking about colonial America. Weird-ass hats with a belt buckle on the front and a comical gun with a tuba-sized barrel at one end. I am now 100% sure that you are watching cartoons. You should have a similar mental image, perhaps less associated with Warner Brothers cartoons, but the hat and the gun still there, right? I mean, it's just established fact that early American colonists all had guns. The hat question is still open for historical debate. But what if I told you that in reality, the gun question is very much open for historical debate and that perhaps, in fact, indeed it's quite likely, there were not that many guns at all in colonial America. Call you a liar? Of course you would. But you know, you'd be wrong. In Arming America, the Origins of a National Gun Culture, Michael A. Belisile, a colonial historian at Henry University, found, quote, While searching through over a thousand probate records from the frontier sections of New England and Pennsylvania for 1763 to 1790, he found that only 14% of men owned guns, and over half of the guns that those men owned were actually unusable, unquote. You are a liar. Think about it, dudes and dudettes. First of all, guns are, and were, really expensive. From the same book, quote, To purchase a gun was more difficult and expensive matter. In an age when three pounds a month was considered a very good income for any trade, skilled artisan or prosperous farmer, and the average wage for a worker was 18 pounds a year, a flintlock cost four to five pounds. 
In addition, the American colonies were cash poor, and most merchants insisted on payments of cash for firearms, which were among the most expensive single items they carried. For the average free American in the colonial period who devoted half of his income to dine alone, a gun represented the equivalent of two months' wages and could easily claim all of his currency, unquote. For the average farmer, they didn't have the money to buy a gun, and almost all the guns were imported items, particularly in the early years of the colonies. When the revolution came along, getting muskets in the hands of the Continental soldiers was a massive problem for the Continental Congress because we didn't have factories turning out muskets like the British did. The muskets we did have came from militia armories, largely manufactured and kept under lock and key by the British to keep people like us, the rebels, from getting at them. Congress placed orders with every gunsmith in the colonies to fill the need. Problem was, not enough gunsmiths. Not nearly enough. Making a musket required a very specific and expensive set of tools and years of training. Are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Guns in the early colonial and revolutionary period were like an artisanal pickle shop in a hipster neighborhood, a niche product for white people with a lot of disposable income. The fledgling U.S. bought our guns from Europe, and you can thank France for that. Colonial Americans were farmers, not hunters, and if they did hunt, which, yeah, some did, why the fuck would they want a musket? It was inaccurate, expensive, and slow to reload, and you could make a bow and arrow for fucking free. All these revolutionary war muskets adorning mantles across New England are fucking 19th century reproductions, which even if they can be loaded and fired without exploding, they never were. So myth busted on America being founded on the gun. America was founded on the hoe. What did you call me? Sorry, ma'am. It meant the garden implement, not you. After the revolution, gun ownership was slightly more common. The government even offered the soldiers a chance to purchase their weapons at a discount after the war so they'd have militias. But many preferred to just keep their money and go back to their farms with a salary in their pockets instead of slung over their shoulders. It wasn't until the Industrial Revolution that guns became cheap enough for the common man to own one. You know, the Civil War, that's when guns really became part of American culture in a big way. After all, we just killed 650 to 750,000 real people with them, so they gotta have something going on with them, I guess. Hell, the defeated rebels were even allowed to take their guns home with them for some ass reason. And of course, there was the Wild West. Surely the cowboys of yore must have been gunslinging all over the damn place, right? Yeah, not so much. I mean, yeah, your railroad towns, mining camps, pretty much anywhere where law and order didn't go, wasn't that all lawful and orderly? And you had the stereotypical armed hombres shooting like Yosemite Sam on a meth bender, but the average cow town or farming village actually had strict gun laws. In fact, their gun laws were, if anything, stricter than we have in NRA-friendly states today. From Smithsonian Magazine, quote, Tombstone had a much more restrictive law on carrying guns in public in the 1880s than it has today, says Adam Winkler, a professor and specialist in American constitutional law at UCLA Law School. Today, you're allowed to carry a gun without a license or a permit on tombstones to streets. Back in the 1880s, you weren't. Hold on a minute. 
minute. Calm down and listen to me. Nobody's saying you can't own a gun. Nobody's even saying you can't carry a gun. All we're saying is you can't carry a gun in town. People were allowed to own guns and everyone did own guns in the West for the most part, said Winkler. Having firearms to protect yourself in a lawless wilderness from wild animals, hostile native tribes, and outlaws was a wise idea. But when you came to town, you either had to check your guns if you were a visitor or keep your guns at home if you were a resident. And, end quote. And most telling, research shows that in towns with strict gun laws, they had a far lower homicide rate per capita than towns that did not. Because again, the only way you can be sure you don't get shot is to not have guns around. What exactly is your point? No point, just observation. Like I was saying, I get why people have guns. Not disputing it, it's your right to own guns. I mean, I live in a big city with a cop star never more than a few minutes away from my house when I dial 911. Maybe you live in the back ass of nowhere where it's going to take a minute for the cops to show up at your house, and that's fair. Except, you know, when you look at it, the average response time for all 911 calls across America is pretty average between 6 and 10 minutes. Now, that's a long-ass time when you're at home alone and someone's trying to break into your house. And apparently my hometown here in New York City has one of the higher than average response time, an average of nine minutes. But we don't have a lot of guns. In fact, we have almost no guns. And the shootings we do have are entirely on the streets and almost literally almost never in our homes. So us not owning guns doesn't factor into that calling the cops a lot. But again, not a, not a point, just an observation. But you know what? Hey, Personally, if I were a woman in the United States, I would go armed 24 fucking 7. I'd carry a piece in the shower because, frankly, men are some dangerous motherfuckers and they really like to hurt women. Women, So I get that part. I do. It just opens up an argument for men control acts, but I want to save that for another show. But, you know, out in the country where the people move to feel safe... They feel like they need guns because it takes so long for the cops to come. But here in the city, where we are apparently under constant threat of being gunned down at a moment's notice and we don't have guns, take pretty much as long as it does for you folks out in the country. And honestly, most Americans live either in the city or the suburbs and fall into the average six to nine minute response time zone. So again, who is waiting so long for the cops to come? I mean, in the poorest black neighborhoods, of course. Those motherfuckers are never showing up. But let's not be ridiculous and bring African Americans into this conversation. Because whenever you bring black people into a gun conversation, things get really awkward for white people. But I guess, you know, everyone wants to be the hero in their own story. And the hero, they always pack heat. So let's just cut through the bullshit here, just for a second. It really is... Hollywood's fault that we have a gun problem in America. Hollywood will fuck you and no one else will. I mean, our problem is we have too many guns and that's a stone cold fact, but the reason people want so many guns is fucking Hollywood. And I don't mean, oh, the violence is Hollywood and making people kill. Fuck that shit. Hollywood made guns fucking cool. You want to know how I know this to be true? Because knowing everything I know about guns and what they do to people and how damaging they are to our society, I still think guns are fucking cool. Movies and guns go back to the very beginning, 1894, and Edison filled Annie Oakley doing trick shots in one of the earliest films in existence. I checked the clip. She doesn't hold her gat sideways like gangsta style. It only works in the movies. Now, Annie Oakley was, of course, part of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, which fe featured a highly fictionalized version of the Wild West, replete with, you guessed it, Ooh. 
Guns, guns, guns. The conservatives aren't wrong when they say Hollywood glamorizes violence and guns. They are wrong when they want to get rid of the guns in the movies but keep the actual fucking guns in society. Think about it. Cowboys in quick draws. Gangsters shooting from a speeding Model T. Hard-bitten detectives holding a snubby 38 on the guy that whacked their partner. Pirates and flintlock pistols. Marines with M1 storming Terra. Flash Gordon's laser. Kirk's phaser. Dirty Harry's magnum. Tony Montana's double M16s with 203 grenade launchers. And Arnold's shopping spree. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40-watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. Will's noisy cricket and the goddamn Zorg ZF-1. Voila, the ZF-1. Slide. Handles adjustable for easy carrying. Good for riders and lefties. Strikes down on four parts. Undetectable by x-ray. Ideal for quick, discreet interventions. A word on firepower. Titanium recharger. 3,000 round clip with burst of 3 to 300. With the replay button, another Zorg invention, it's even easier. One shot. Replay sends every following shot to the same location. And to finish the job, all Zorg oldies but goldies. Rocket launcher. Arrow launcher. With explosion of poisonous gas head. Very practical. Our famous net launcher. The always efficient flamethrower. My favorite. And for the grand finale, the all-new Ice Cube system. Every kid in America for the past four generations grew up knowing one incontrovertible fact about the universe. Guns are fucking cool. Why, if you had a gun, no one will ever fuck with you. And if you're the good guy with the gun... What does that make us? Right? Straight up! There's no problem that cannot be solved without your piece, your gat, your rod, your iron, your heat, your burner, your nine, your Chicago typewriter. I had to dig pretty deep for that one. Your Sicilian calculator. You get it, it only subtracts. Your goddamn smoke wagon. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Your gun is a problem solver. Everybody knows it. We've seen it for decades. Our problem is not just that we have too many guns. I mean, that totally is a problem, but it's rather more that we love guns. We worship guns. We believe in guns the same way a Baptist believes in Jesus. We weren't always this way. For most of our history, guns were just a tool that we used to hammer the Native American nail down or the Phillips head of capitalism used to screw everyone. But they were still just a tool. But then the movies came along and made them into a totem, a fetish object for an entire country that already liked their tools just a little too much. We sent out movies around the world, but only in countries where they have their own fucked up culture, uh, gun culture, did totems take like it has here. And let's be honest, nowhere did it take like it has here. We did it first, we did it best, and by God, we can kill more motherfuckers with a gun than any other second gun nut culture out there. And we ain't gonna fix a problem like guns by legislating guns out of existence. Too big, too many, 350 plus million guns in this country, and the people who have most of the guns are gonna Rick Astley those motherfucking things to their graves. Never gonna give, never gonna give.
imagine thousands of little Wacos and Ruby Ridges all over the country as we tried to give these dim fuckers their wish of prying their guns from the cold dead hands. That's not going to go on Twitter. So we got to do something a little different. We've got to change hearts and minds from the ground up, starting with the little ones. We've got to wash that gun right out of their brains. I made this comparison before, but I think it's a valid one. A generation ago, Hollywood started to make smoking uncool. Smoking's gross. And slowly but surely, we smokers are dying off. The same thing will happen with guns because both habits are extremely bad for you and both will eventually kill you and the people you love. And Hollywood made them both look very cool in the beginning. I think smoking makes you look cool. Yes! God help me, I do! I started smoking as a kid because it was a dream. And smoking, it did make me cool in the leather jackets. And I, and I got, I went from being nerdy to being downright fuckable. I'm so, so fuckable. See what you've done to me, Hollywood. See, see what you've done. You killed me so I could be so, so very cool. You made this thing. You can unmake it. It won't be easy, and there's a lot of other stuff we can do legally to slow the bleeding. But we got to change the culture to fix the gun problem in America. We got to take guns off the altar and put them back in the toolbox. And it starts with you, Hollywood. You made this monster. You can now kill it. You can do that. We've seen it happen before, or, you know, I guess... You could take this monster and have a mute woman fuck it and get an Oscar for it. I don't really understand why the creature from the Black Lagoon became a sex... I'm, I'm not, let's, let's not start fucking guns because things are weird enough in our country as it is. Let's just fix one problem at a time and not create a new... I don't understand anything about America anymore. That is it for our show this week. This show should have been the one that I did last week for the big 153-year thing because it's a really big show and it had a coherent idea, which last week didn't. So could we just consider this last week's show because, you know, that happened? Anyway, uh, you know, so follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast uh, on the show name on Facebook. Hey, I think Twitter might finally verify me so that, you know, my get a little blue check mark will let you know that I'm just as valid as any Nazi that is on Twitter. Uh, you should rate and review the show where you found it, uh, or Gavin will come to your house with his trusty pellet gun. And he is a crack shot, and he could definitely put it like a tiny hole in your window or like a really small red spot on your ass based on, you know, me being shot with a pellet gun. All of the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Six Gun Dave Bledsoe, producer Sawed Off Gavin, and all the other fictional pocket pistols on this show, we want to say... We dedicate this song to all the guns we've loved before. We'll see you all next week. I'm glad they came along. I dedicate this song to all the girls I loved before. To all the girls I once caressed. May I say I'll help the best For the help me to grow I owe the lot I know To all the girls I loved before 
queen of change I'll always love And every time I try to stay The wind of change continue blowing And they just carry me over To all the girls who share my life now are someone else's wife I'm glad they came along I dedicate the song To all the girls I loved before To all the girls who cared for me Who filled my nights with aches to see In my heart, I'll always be a part of all the girls I loved before. The wind of change are always blowing, and every time I try to stay, the wind of change continues blowing, and they just carry. All the girls we'd loved before Who traveled in and out our door We gladly came along We dedicated the song To all the girls we'd loved before To all the girls we'd loved before Traveled in and out our door. We gladly came along. We dedicated a song to all the girls who love Seltzer Kings Podcasts.